God of Israel says that he hates divorce. Listen, God does not hate you. If you've been divorced, God does not hate you. People, I've watched people take that text out of context and not human, human, hermeneutically break it down right, where they've been literally have just butchered this whole scripture by saying that God hates you because you got divorced. God does not hate you. You know what God hates? God hates when we allow the enemy to come in and divide and separate. Amen. So if you've been divorced, that's under the blood. Matter of fact, if you're here today and you've been divorced, listen, Romans 8 and 1 says there is therefore now no condemnation. Amen. So if you're here, it's under the blood. The word repent means to, to have not only a changed heart and a changed mind, but the word repent means to have a shifting in your perception. So at the end of the day, I don't want anybody walking out of here with their head down because you've been divorced. Amen. At the end of the day, again, it says, for the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. Does not hate you. But again, he hates how we allow the enemy to come in and divide and separate. And that's why once a year, my wife and I, we will get up here and tag team because we know that unfortunately 52 to 54 percent of our nation is divorced. Amen. And one of the things that we want to do as pastors is break the back of that spirit. Amen. We want to see, we want to see married couples endure and fight. Amen. Because how many you know there's a relief in quitting? Me and her have been, we, we were separated for two months. It felt good, y'all. Woo. I was a, like, ooh. What a relief. Uh, you know, I would tell her, girl, it just feels so good not waking up to you. Yeah. I ain't got no drama in my life. I just wake up and just hug myself. I love me some me. Come yeah. on, somebody. Yeah. And I, but, said, I said it feels so good not to chase you around and wonder where you are. <laughs> I'm so but, happy. But how do you know there's a relief in quitting? Yeah. There's a relief that comes with quitting because you gave up. Amen. Mm -hmm. And now you don't have to work anymore because in order to keep something healthy, you have to work at it. Yes. Nothing just happens. Amen. Mm -hmm. You have to be, you have to participate. Amen. In order for you to have a, a healthy marriage. And so today we want to talk about, you know, some marital things. And we want to even talk about some of the setbacks that we even had in our marriage. Amen. Because we've been together, it'll be 26 years next month and almost married 24 years in March. Hey. Amen. So we've been hanging a little while, you know, and uh, five children, 24, 23, 21, um, 18 and 17. So we'll even cover some parental stuff uh, here in a couple of weeks. But we really want to focus today on some of the marital things. Yes, absolutely. And healthy just means to be devoted to being, uh, I'm sorry, it means devoted to having good well-being. And we want good well-being in your marriage. The Word of God says in 3 John 1 and 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be healthy just as your soul prospers. And that key is that it says you may prosper or be successful in all things. That even includes your marriage. And so we as pastors see how the enemy comes in to attack marriages and that makes marriage like it's a bad thing, that marriage is not a good thing, that it's, it's difficult. It is difficult. It is hard. But God blessed it. It was God's idea. He wanted husbands and wives to be married, to have children, and, and to carry on that, that way. So, so um, we, we've developed over all these years, because we share our testimony often, um, uh, Married for Life, which is our ministry, is an acronym that uses love, intimacy, forgiveness, and endurance in our teaching, and we're going to do that today. So Pastor and I, though, met when I was 17 years old, and he was, well, really, God was always trying to get us together. God was always trying to say, Reggie Steele, this girl is perfect for you. Her name's Kelly. 
And we, it, started, it started at 15. At 15 years old, I met his mom getting my hair done. She told me about her son. She said, you really need to meet my son. Here's my phone number. Call him because I want you guys to meet. And at 15, I thought, wow, he must really be ugly if the mom's recruiting. <laughs> uh. I'm serious. That's all I thought about. The whole, oh, yeah, I'll call the whole time. No, I'm not going to call because he must, woo. But then... As time goes on and you grow up, my husband, Pastor, was a, a, a very well-known athlete. He was a quarterback. He was um, all-state in, in, in baseball and in basketball. So he was like the guy. He was like the, the guy, the up-and-coming Bo Jackson, if you will, in Arizona. So he had a name. And so then, of course, ladies, you get intrigued because you hear his name. And then uh, you hear about him and that he was a little bit of a playboy, too. And let's not lie, we all like that, too. Okay, maybe not in this third service, but praise the Lord. And so um, as time goes on, I think I was finally 16. I was with my dad at Metro Center. Who hung out at Metro Center back in the day? Remember Metro? On Saturdays, that's what you do. You just walk up and down by the food court all day, right? The good old days. So at Metro Center, I was with my dad, and my dad said to me, here comes Reggie Steele. Don't look at him. Keep on walking. And of course, I'm like, oh, man. And so he's coming my way, and we're headed toward him, and he's coming my way, and I see him. And right away, there was an instant attraction when I saw him. He's looking at me. I'm looking at him. But my dad's there. So, you know, we have to act like we're, you know, innocent, good kids, right? And so that day, we met him. That's the first time we met in front of my dad. And actually, Pastor got arrested that day. So it's kind of good. That was my, the guy I was with when I met with her. I didn't know I was, when I was rolling out with the brother, we was rolling out in a stolen car. But that's a whole nother story. Whole nother story. Kind of a precursor to what our relationship would be, though. <laughs> so anyways, so then, uh, then finally, the 17, when I, uh, the year later when I was 17, I was a part of a peer group. And in this peer group, one of the girls that I didn't really care for that much was down the way sitting there. And I overheard her say, yeah, I just broke up with Reggie Steele. And so I looked down, and I'm like, wait a minute, because she was not cute, y'all. And I'm thinking... <laughs> And I said, you went with Reggie Steele? She goes, yeah, but we, I broke up with him. I said, wow. In my mind, I thought, well, if you got him, I know I can get him, you know. There was no, no challenge. Bad girl. Huh? Bad girl. Okay, whatever. So anyway, she gave, so I asked for his number. She gave me his phone number. <laughs> and I, yeah, and, and I called him. I think uh, a couple days later, I finally got up the nerve to call him. And uh, he came over to my house a couple days after that, which was a Thursday, because Mike Tyson had just fought. See how you remember? Mike Tyson fought that day, and he came over. It was December 8th. And uh, I opened the door, and I saw him. And he had on his Letterman jacket with all these, you know, accolades, all the stuff on it. And I said to myself, I'm getting that jacket. And no, honestly, though, when I met him, though, I felt like I met someone that I had always wanted to meet my whole life. I, I didn't believe in love at first sight, but I definitely believe it was fate. Like, it just felt... Like, you, we knew each other, right? It did. Mm -hmm. And then when Even he, when she opened the door, I said, oh, my God, you're my wife. Right. Well, I, you actually, you said, oh, no. I remember. You said, oh, no, you're my wife. Yeah. Which, I knew it. Which I should have probably focused on the oh, no part, but I just heard the you're my wife part. <laughs> and so as time went on, like that day, because we we'd spent time talking, we were talking about kids and future and bragging on each other, all the stuff that we did, you know, him and sports, and I was very involved in piano and things. And so he had told me, he's like, you know, you're really cute, but you're bigger than most girls I'm used to dating. Okay, and, and I'm looking at him, he goes, I'm used to girls like, you know, buck 25, you know, buck 30, and I'm like, well, I'm almost $2, so I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I'm like a buck 75, buck 85. I'm more valuable. 
So the, that kind of gives you how our relationship started. But because he said that, I started working out like that next day. Can you believe that? Like I liked him that much. I would. I remember Slim Fast. I was like Slim Fast, starving at school. You know, trying to. I, I knew I wouldn't get. I was trying to get like a buck fifty. You know, and uh, trying to get down. You were like one seventy five. I was one seventy five. And you know, back in that day, because we met in nineteen ninety, we used the term back then, husky. I said, "You're a little husky." <laughs> but you know what? Then Sir Mix-a-Lot came out with a song that changed I, my life. I like what was that? I like Big Buzz, and I can't lie. It lie. changed my life. I said my anthem. Oh man! Hilarious. Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, oh, so man. so we met him, and Pastor Zip was very honest with me. He let me know that I was his I was his main, but he had sides. He's like, you know, I I like you a lot, but I have other people in my life. You're my starter, but I have a team. All those things he said. <laughs> <laughs> it was very real. The girl's like, oh my God, yes. That, you know, they, he said those things. I mean, he let me know that um, I, you know, he loved me, but he liked them. All the stuff he says is very true. And I, I, I was so insecure in who I was as a woman, a young woman. I didn't care because if he gave me some attention, it was better than none attention. You know, and so I didn't care. As long as he, our rule, we had a rule that if you do cheat or mess with somebody, tell me. I don't want to find out on the street. Because back then there was no Facebook, no Instagram. Oh, you wouldn't have lived back then if there was Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I would have had to be loyal. Yeah. <laughs> they, they didn't have that. So you would, you would kind of hear it in the rumor or whatever. And he would either, you know, acknowledge it or deny it depending on whatever state of mind he was in that day. But I said, you know, as long as you tell me, I won't be mad. So he would tell, isn't this terrible? If you just tell me, I don't want, I want it. So if it comes my way, I'll already know about it. But point is, we had a very up and down relationship. It was very passionate, but it was also, um, it was, it was passionate in other ways too. Cause we would, you know, yell and we would fight and argue and he'd break up with me. And I tried to break up with him. And I say, try, because every time I would say I'm breaking up with you, he would tell me I didn't have the privilege. And then he would break up with me. And then he would like, then, then he would like break up with me and then call me back an hour later and say he was testing me. Like weird, st- weird psychological stuff. So now that we've given y'all the foundation, <laughs> let's, let's get to some of these scriptures. Amen. Amen. Point of it is. We was crazy. We were crazy. That just that. Somebody say, but God. But God. And I didn't, here's my point. I, woman of God, I did not love who I was. It was very, and it was, I was bad to me. And so until we found, you know, God was always kind of working in our relationship, though, because when I found out I was pregnant at 18, a couple weeks or six weeks out of high school, I was in Virginia, found out I was pregnant, and I called, I called Reggie Steele at the time and said, you know, I have something to tell you. And I was so upset that I was pregnant, I drank the whole day. Like, I was drunk from, like, I mean, I was just, it was bad. And it was probably two in the morning where I finally called him, could barely sp- talk. I'm like, I got to tell you something. And he's like. I was like, I got to tell you something too. So I'm like, and well, so tell me first. Said, you tell me first. And I said, I was at church today and I got filled with the Holy Spirit and I'm going to be a preacher. And so, and then she said. And I said, well, I'm pregnant preacher. Because uh, that's at, how everything started. At that time, he never, ever talked about Jesus. He never. One day you asked me, did you think, uh, did I think Jesus was coming back? But you were smoking a joint, though, too. So I thought, he's really high. 
And I'm like, why would he come back? He was already here. That's how uneducated I was. Why would he come? He was here. Why? And he's like, I think he's coming back. But anyways, that's the only thing ever mentioned about Jesus to me ever in a high state. So I didn't, I did not know that was part of his world. Point is, I didn't love myself. When I finally got together and, and he said, once I said I was pregnant, he said, don't kill the baby. I promise I'll help you. And I came back from Virginia and obviously I was pregnant. He said, let's work together. And he was living for the Lord at, for those couple months. Praise the Lord. Right. And, so, and it's interesting because her mom came. She kept telling me, you got to tell your mom and dad. Because I told my mom and dad. And I'm like, man, I'm not telling them. I said, mom well, and no, dad going to kill me. Well, no, you said you were going to tell them every day. I'm going to tell them today. I'm going to tell, tell them. But in my mind, I'm thinking I ain't telling them nothing. <laughs> my mom and dad were pastoring at the time, and they actually still pastor today. Yeah. So um, I pull up to the house, me and my dad, and um, her mom's car was parked out in front of my, my house my parents' house, and so I was like, oh, Jesus, so I got on the phone, there's no cell phones back then, I got on the phone, I was like, hey, your mom is here, why is she at my, talking to my mom in her dining room, Mm -hmm. and so when her mom finally left, uh, my mom and dad came in my room to talk to me, and they said, hey, her mom, Kelly's mom said that she's pregnant, and she's getting ready to put her out, but we just want you to know, we still love you, we know you, you know, obviously you shouldn't be fornicating, you're only 18, 19 years old, but we gonna, you know, the baby didn't do anything. We're going to love the baby. And then my mom was like, he's going to be a preacher. It's going to be a boy. And I'm looking at my parents like, oh, here it is. I'm thinking I'm about to get beat to death. <laughs> Anybody came from them parents where you didn't get a whoop and you got beat? <laughs> you, got, you said they're going to give you a whoop and you got excited. But they said, we're going to beat you. I'm going to break your back. That's kind of house I grew up in, you know, very abusive. <laughs> but nevertheless... Amen. My parents, they were like, we support you. We're going to love the baby. This is a steal. This is our legacy. And, and I was like, well, I was excited to have their support. We kept Isaiah, obviously. He preached last. How many of y'all, he preached last Sunday, I yeah. mean, while we were out of town. I mean, so. So good. So it just goes to show you how God can flip the script. Yes, he can. And it's not how you start, it's how you finish. That's right. So I had to learn to love myself. And through my relationship with Jesus Christ, as we continued on in our our relationship and living with his parents, I was introduced to Jesus. We eventually got married because I was pregnant again, praise the Lord. You know, it looks bad when the pastor's son keeps on getting his living girlfriend pregnant. But anyways, <laughs> we, that's why we got married. So when people come to me and say, well, I got married for the wrong reasons, I always say, well, so did I. <laughs> Anyways, we got married, <laughs> and, um, but then it was an up-and-down crazy relationship because we, we weren't living for Jesus, and again, Satan hates marriages. There is an actual attack, I believe, in the body of Christ especially, where the enemy loves to destroy and divorce couples, especially strong couples, and it's just, it's sad, but I had to learn how to love myself. And not until I knew who Jesus Christ was, I did. I had the crazy love for this man, but only the love of Jesus makes sense. So uh, Luke 10, 27 says this. It says, you shall love the Lord uh, your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. I had to shift my mindset once I was introduced to Jesus Christ and realize his love for me was real and that his love for me is the only love that matters. I had to begin to love God with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, with all my strength, and stop loving a person. Because when you love a person that much, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you end up having a episode on Snapped. Can I get an amen? I didn't want to be that person. I wanted to be a normal person that was not in jail. Amen. And so I had to begin to love 
God and say, God, show me how to love you and show me that you love me. Mm. And let me not look for anybody else except for you, Jesus, because man will let you down. Man will fail you. Man will break your heart. But Jesus Christ, he won't do it. He won't break your heart. In fact, I started to read the word of God and learn that, wait a minute, Jesus says that I am wonderfully and fearfully made, that I was made in his image and his likeness, that God thinks that I am a perfect, beautiful woman of God, that God says, darling, you are flawless. There is no one like you, that God created me for a purpose and a plan, and that he said, no one else can love you, but I love you. I love you so much. I sent my son to die for you. And when you begin to learn that that's the kind of love that God has for you, you start to love yourself in a correct way. And you start to say, you know what, I'm worth more. I'm not going to be with the man that's going to choose who he's going to sleep with from night to night. And maybe he'll call or maybe I'll be on his list. The devil is a lie. I am worth attention. Matter of fact, I'm not going to be a main chick. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not going to be the main. I want to be the only. Because if you're the main, that means there's others. But the devil is a lie. I'm nobody's. Uh, no, there will be nobody else. I will not share you anymore because I know what I'm worth. I know who I am. I know that God has called me for a reason that I don't have to give myself to anybody that's going to treat me second to none. I am the best. I am the prize. If you're with me, you have won a gift. So I began to love myself and say, no, 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 no. I appreciate you. I love you. You look good and you treat me good and you do that good too. But you know what? Jesus. You didn't got it. You didn't got it in the flesh. That can mess us up, right, women? But you know what? <laughs> can nobody do me like Jesus? <laughs> can nobody? Can nobody do me like the Lord? <laughs> And I had to learn that from loving myself. And when you love yourself, you begin to look at things differently. And then if you're married and you love yourself, you begin to pray differently. Because you understand that I love Jesus and Jesus loves me. And when I look at my husband, I want him to love Jesus the way I love Jesus. Because once he loves Jesus, he'll love himself. And then he won't treat me as though he hates me. Because the Word of God tells us this right here. Listen, Ephesians 5, 22, 28, and 31. I'm just going to read it quickly. It says, Wives, submit to yourselves and to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, let wives also be subject to their husbands in everything. Then it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church. And then it goes to say this. So men ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. He who loves his wife loves himself. He who loves his wife loves himself. If you're not treating your wife with love, then you don't love you. Because mm. how can you treat yourself poorly? Mm. No, you, we take care of our own flesh, and you're supposed to love us sure. as yourself. So that's why I pray, God, show him that you love him. Show him the love of God in his life, because I know if he loves you, he'll love himself. And if he loves himself, he'll love me. So you got to love yourself. That's good. Look at your neighbor and say, love yourself. Love yourself. If nobody else tells you they love you, you better love you some you. That's right. Amen. It's interesting because that's when I began to see a shift take place because I can remember, you know, when um, I would come home, she would still go to church and I wasn't. And I would say certain things to get a reaction out of her. Mm -hmm. But over time, she wouldn't rebuttal. She'd be like, well, you know what? Jesus is too good for me to even get in, go off on you right now. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Yeah, I wanted to go off, so I give me an excuse to leave. 
So I'm like, man, she's not flipping out like she used to because I had a, I had, I was able to get a reaction out of her. But what happened was I watched her relationship really evolve and mature and grow to the point to where I can remember back in the day, I would come home and be gone for two, three days and I go look in the bathtub and my my, my uh, clothing and my, my, my Chris Webbers from back in the day and my toothbrushes floating in the bathtub. She didn't bleach my clothes that, and she's nowhere to be found. Yeah. Thank God for Jesus. Come on, somebody. Because yes. I would have probably been a pastor in prison. Come on now. Oh, no, no. Wisdom would say if you're going to do that, you should leave before they come home. So <laughs> right? a year later, I come home two, three days later, and she's like, hey, honey. And I'm like, oh, she's going to kill me. But really what happened was she wasn't just going to church anymore. I mean, she was still going to church, but she really became the church. Yeah. She really began to get a relationship with God. Yeah. Amen. She began to evolve. And I'll be honest with you, I even got jealous because I saw how authentic her relationship with God was then. That she wasn't just having a religious experience, but she was in an actual relationship with God. Amen. Which eventually over time, I'm like, I see the peace, the joy that she have. Next thing I know, I'm back in church. Amen. So a lot of times, uh, wives that are here today, and maybe your husband doesn't go to church with you, if you just become the church and, and have a relationship with God, it's just a matter of time that your conduct will even win him over to the point to where he'll want to get plugged into church as well. Amen. Amen. Make sense? Yes. Amen. That's the word. So number one, she, as she covered um, loving yourself, I'm going to talk about intimacy. The word intimacy means a close, personal, loving, affectionate relationship, not just sex right. uh, is the end result. And it's interesting. Go to the scripture real quick. Go to um, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 7 and 3. 7 and 3. It says, let the husband render to the wife the affection due her, likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority uh, over her own body, uh, but the husband does. And likewise, uh, the husband uh, does not have authority over his own body, uh, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourself to fast, fasting and prayer. And then it says, and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, do you realize part of the reason, how many of y'all are married? Raise your hand. Part of the reason why we got married, yes, you loved your spouse, but we got married because of our lack of self-control. Amen? And it's interesting. The Bible says it's better to marry than to what? Burn. And interesting, when I grew up in church, they would use that scripture out of context and would say that if you don't get married, you're going to burn in hell. But really what that means when it says uh, it's better to marry than to burn, it's talking about burning in your flesh. Because God gave us those desires. He gave us a sexual appetite. Because the Bible says be fruitful and what? Multiply and what? Fill the earth. You can't do that if you don't have a sexual appetite. So he says, listen, I need you not. And look at this. It says do not deprive one another. In other words, you can't hold your stuff hostage. Because of my, my, because of my lack of self-control, I can't have you saying you ain't getting none tonight. I got, I got, I got self-control issues. <laughs> oh, y'all ain't ready for me today. Let's be real. Am I keeping it 100? Yeah. So he said, it's better for you to marry than to burn. Then he tells us, don't deprive one another. Right. Then the only time you're not supposed to have sex, it says, if you get consent, 
because you're fasting and praying. When we started Kingdom in the Valley, God specifically told me to go on a 21-day fast with just water. 21 days, and it wasn't none of that break your fast, start at 5 a.m. and stop at 5 p.m. I didn't eat anything, nothing, not a crumb. I would have to come home, watch her making spaghetti and pork chops, and walk to the room and go pray, and and it hit my face because I was starting Kingdom in like a month later. So I wanted to make sure that Kingdom got off on the right foot, amen, and so... I say all that to say is I told her that we can't have sex for 21 days. And And I said, said, God did not tell me that. (laughs) I did not hear that from the heavens or anywhere. (laughs) No. But it says, again, do not deprive (laughs) one another except. Yeah. So here's, he gives you an out for for a time because you're fasting and praying. So for that time, we didn't have sex. Amen? Because I wanted to really hear from God. But outside of that, you have to have, there has to be intimacy in the relationship. You know, even today, my wife asked me to button up her shirt, and when I buttoned it up in the back, I kissed her right on the back of the neck. And she's like, oh, that feels so good. <laughs> she said, I felt chills go down my spine. I did. But my point saying that is Woo! that a woman needs... <laughs> A woman needs 13 non-sexual touches a day. Yep. If I got Amen. any men in here, you know that's a challenge. 13, because by the third touch, I'm going to want to do something else. <laughs> so she got her touch for the day. No, that was one. Well, here's two, three, four, five. I hate when he does this. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Right. Praise him. No, and I think the reason why I was so surprised this morning is because Sundays, that's like our Sunday mornings is our day off. Like there's no, because he has to preach three times. So, there, you know, you can't, you, it's like nothing for Sunday ever. So, and I, and I know this, and I think, I think we only a couple times. Maybe twice in 12, 12 years. 12 years on a Sunday before church. And both church. times, the third service, I was, whew. And I would go in there and blame her. See, girl, you made me do that. I didn't me in the back. Yeah, you my courage before I'm with the church. I can't even preach, but I'm tired, right? I'm winded. I'm like, bro, go to the gym. I don't know. What'd you say? I said, go to the gym. I don't know. <laughs> Worked yeah, on my stamina, huh? <laughs> yeah, but he always blames me the two couple. So I, normally I don't get that at all because that, again, is a sacrifice. Being a pastor's wife, I understand Sunday's a day. Sunday morning is a day off. And so I just leave them alone. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. why it was surprise. I love when you do that to me. Good stuff. Let's, I'm going to show y'all one more intimate scripture. This is oh. going to mess y'all up. Go to Song of Solomon 4 and 16. Intimacy is Because healthy. we don't want you to be so spiritual that you're no earthly good. Right. And her and I went through this season where we were super spiritual. Mm-hmm. And she, there was times she didn't want to have sex because she was like, God's going to see me. And I was like, girl, I don't care if he see you. He <laughs> created this. And I want more kids, because at that time we only had two kids, yeah. and now obviously we have five. Amen. Awake, O north wind, and come, O south, blow upon my garden. <laughs> that there may be spices that may flow out. Let my beloved come to his garden and eat his pleasant fruits. Look at your neighbor and say, Pastor in the Word. Pastor's in the Word. So, ladies, you could take this scripture and say, Obey the Word. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, boy, that's, that is an X-rated scripture. I've come to the conclusion that the Bible is rated R. 
Yeah. What I love about God's word, though, it covers everything. Yes. So, number one, you have to love yourself. Yes. Number two is that there has to be intimacy in the marriage. Amen. Mm -hmm. You don't want to just, my wife said this at the 8 o'clock and 930, you don't want to just be married. Yeah. You want to be happily married. Right. How many, can I get a witness up in here? You don't want to just be married, but I want to be happily married. Amen. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, it's important to love your spouse, but mm -hmm. I like her. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. If you got going on with both of those areas where you love your spouse and you like them, you can go a long way. Yes, and then you embrace intimacy as a good thing, and I think the church should talk about it more. It's not a bad thing. Right. What we're doing, if we're married, it's totally legal. We, we have, God, God gave us instructions, and God made all the parts fit. Praise him. Okay, and all the nerve endings and all that stuff, the whole process was God's idea. We couldn't have thought of that. It's an amazing thing. Just imagine how, amen, <laughs> just imagine how happy Adam was. Man. Because at first he was out naming animals. Right. And then all of a sudden God realized ain't nothing compatible to him. He can't hook up with a monkey or elephant. Right. So he put him in a deep sleep, pulled out that rib. That brother woke up like, whoa, man. That's right. Like, whoa. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, we saw what they, they were fruitful, fruitful and multiplied. multiplied. Amen. Yeah. And so. And even when you can't multiply, because we can't have kids anymore, but that doesn't mean that your intimacy life is cut off. Right. right? Real talk. You Amen. Know? And we haven't, obviously, our youngest will be 18 in March mm -hmm. and our oldest will be 25 in March. Right. So obviously there's no more babies coming. I'm, that that, that, that that's a, it's a new season. Yeah. It's a new day. Mm, <laughs> sad. Sad, but it's over. Yeah, it's are a wrap. Because she's been asking me? me for two more sons. Well, why not? I said the devil is a lie. <laughs> it's, it's, I, w I wish. It's too late now, but if it was like 10 years ago, because I got my tubes tied at 25 years old. Can you believe that? 25, but I had five kids at 25. So, which was a lot of children. I probably would have had literally 13 kids if I didn't get that done because pastor could sneeze on me and I'm pregnant. I mean, so <laughs> the thing about it was, you know, it's just, it's so, so, but I do wish we did have more children because, Not me. you know, it's, I, I, I miss the, I miss the kids. And see, I love that, that you can be wired different and have different opinion about different things, but still get along. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can remember in our early 20s, if we had a disagreement, oh, yeah. we're not going to the movies now. Right. We're not going to dinner. Right. Where now, we can have a disagreement, we're mm -hmm. still going to dinner, and yeah. we're still going to get a movie. Absolutely. Because we've grown up. Right. You evolve, you yeah. grow, you, you mature. Just, who cares? We don't agree. So We don't agree. Well, eh, we're still going to go have sex. Sure. Absolutely. We don't agree on that, but... You right. know, but I'm not trying to have no more kids. No, absolutely. And I, people, well, if I'm mad, I can't, you know, have sex with my husband. Why? You can be mad and have that happen. <laughs> Next topic. Right. Amen. I mean, we don't, we, no, but, the, but, that, but the, look at how the enemy, though, is trying to come into divide. Because if you connect with your spouse, it's hard to stay mad for long. Usually when it's over, you're not mad anymore. If they did the job right. Praise the Lord. All my ladies are like, mm-hmm. You know what? I remember one time we, um, in 1996, 97, oh, uh, we, we had bought our first house like years prior. Yes. I had lost my job. It took me a while to find another job, but by the time I found the job, our house was in foreclosure. Yeah. The only thing that got us through that was two things, mm -hmm. praying and sex. Yes. Seriously. Like straight up. Amen? Because we like, well, we staying married. They can take the house. Right. That's how we coped. That's how we coped. It's we... a stress reliever. Amen. 
We just made it happen. It's a calorie burn. That's burner. real talk. It makes you committed and connected. You feel closer. Amen. You figure you can make it, you know. Amen. It's, it's good wisdom. So next time you're going through a hard time. Amen. Use that time wisely. Amen. Next, <laughs> forgiveness. Forgiveness is very important in a marriage. Forgiveness is not an emotion, but it's a state of being. Pastor and I are very honest and open with you all. Early in our marriage, before Pastor was ever even preaching, we, we dealt with adultery. And there was not just adultery, but there was domestic violence. And there wasn't just domestic violence, but there was instability. I was not, you're going to be shocked, I was not the most stable person <laughs> before I knew Jesus Christ. So there was a lot of things that happened in our world that was just crazy. And we both had to ask for forgiveness one to another. And understand this, that forgiveness goes against our human nature. Can I get an amen? Mm, you, usually you don't wake up and say, I, I'm going to ask, I'm going to forgive that person or I, or even asking for forgiveness is a very humble place to be. But listen, um, it's, it's easier to hold a grudge than to let go of one. It's mm. very easy and it's natural to want to hold a grudge, but, but forgiveness has to be done by faith. Um, your faith in God and not your feelings should drive you to forgive. So Colossians 3 and 13 says this. It says that we are to bear with one another and forgive one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also. So in my own process of dealing with wanting to be healed up, because after a while you want to be healed, right, woman of God? After a while you want to be healthy. You're sick of being mad and angry. It takes energy to stay mad. Have you, ever, have you ever been mad and then you forgot and you were nice and you had to remind yourself, wait, I'm mad? You know, because it's, it's hard to stay mad. But I had to say, God, help me forgive. And so the Lord started showing me the things that he forgave me. When God starts showing you things that he's forgiven you for, you kind of look at people in a different way. Can I get an amen? You start to say, wait a minute, God, if you forgave me for that, 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 how can I not forgive the person that's in front of me? Because God is a forgiver, and God forgave you, and you have a right to forgive those in your world, even though if they hurt you with the violation or the pain of adultery. And that is a deep pain, and it is a hard pain. It almost feels like you will never be able to get over it. But God is able. Nothing is impossible through Christ Jesus. You can choose to be in a state of forgiveness, and forgiveness is a journey. Very rare you say, I forgive you, and immediately you feel fine. Hmm. That's very rare. You've started the process. Forgiveness is a process. I forgive you. And then the next day you'll wake up. You might feel better, but the enemy will be right there to remind you what that person did, how they did it, who they did it with. And there you have to fight and cast down imaginations that try to exalt themselves higher than the knowledge Good. of God and say, wait a minute. I've asked, I've, I said, I forgive. I'm going to forgive by faith. And you have to silence those voices in your head. Tell those voices of memory to shut up. I understand, women of God, we have an amazing uh, ability to remember times, dates, places, and weather conditions. Can I get an amen? We can remember it was a cloudy day on July 19th, and you did this and said this. You said you went to the park, but you couldn't went to the park because I went past the park and you weren't there. And please tell me, and don't, and listen, I'm your pastor. I'm a very transparent woman of God. Please do not think that those type of thoughts do not enter in my head still today because the enemy always wants to draw you back to where you were. Just a couple days ago, pastor said he was going to the gym. I said, fine. I called, scheduled myself a massage. Praise the Lord, because I love myself, right? So I'm like, I'm going to go get a massage. It was probably 9 o'clock at night, and I was driving, and I passed the gym, and a voice said, check the parking lot of the gym. And I'm like, well, why would I want to check the parking lot? The voice said, well, he may not be there. And I'm like, but of course he's there. And the voice says, oh, you should go ahead and check. Just see if he's there. And I'm like, 
no, I'm not going to do that. And I told that voice to shut up, and I passed by the gym and got my massage because the enemy always wants to get you back into a place of suspicion and wondering what he's doing. And this man has given me no reason to think any other type of way. Women, am I by myself? We have those weird thoughts. Come on, please, please be with me that we have very strange thoughts. You have no idea who we wow. are. You have no idea what we go through in a day. You have that's, no idea. That's the first I heard of that. I know because I didn't tell you. Right. Because I've learned there's no reason to tell you because there's no reason for me to suspect you of anything. I know you love me and nobody can do you like I do you. I'm going to just say, akuna matana. <laughs> so my Amen. point is, the unforgiveness, though, if it was so rooted in me, it would have, could have driven me to start looking and then thinking and all kinds of weird things. But listen, you can walk in forgiveness to where the pain, the process, the pain of it doesn't hurt. That's how you know when, you're truly, when you have truly forgiven, is when there's no pain attached. There's no pain attached to it. Listen, and when you forgive, you can easily pray for that other person too. So in a marriage, you have to understand why unforgiveness is there. The enemy would love for you to start praying for your spouse. Would love for you to start praying for each other. How about this? Would love for you to start praying with each other. Mm. That's the greatest expression of intimacy right there is praying for each other together. But if, he can, if the devil can keep that in their divide and there's unforgiveness, then there's never any healing. And then it flows onto your relationship, not just with you, but with your children and with your whole life, if it can. Man, that's good. You know, we were sharing at the 930, even we hit a wall in our marriage, like a major wall where of domestic violence that was going on. Mm-hmm. And I remember she called the police. The police came and got me, took me to jail. And so while I'm in jail, I'm thinking, okay, it's Saturday, now it's Sunday. Monday's coming. I'm getting ready to lose both of my jobs if I don't get bonded out. And at that time, I was working at a place from 7.30 to 1.30, and I would go to my other job from 3 to midnight. Mm-hmm. Even though I was crazy, I always worked. Amen. He did. I always, he always made provided. Sure I provided for my family. He always worked. Amen. So Good job. I, I, uh, and I knew we had a block on our phone, because back then, of course, there wasn't cell phones. So I'm calling our home number 89 times. And knowing that it's going to keep saying, there's a block on this phone, you cannot, you know, get through, da, 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 da. So I heard that like 89 times. So the 90th time, I said, I'm going to call one more time. Do y'all know that the phone call went through? I said, Kelly, this is God. All of a sudden, here it is. I'm not even in church. But now, this is God. You know we have a block number, and they put me through. I'm up there stunned. I said, so go under my mattress, get the money, bond me out. She said, I'm not bonding you out. I said, Kelly, wait a minute. I work tomorrow at 7.30 to 1.30, and I have to go to my other job from 3 to midnight. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this for three years. If you do not bond me out today, I'm going to lose both of my jobs for being a no-call, no-show. She says, I'm not getting you out. Mm -hmm. So I'm in jail, like, ah, she just messing with me. I'm looking, you know, at my watch, which, you know, they took, they took my watch. So I'm looking at the <laughs> thing on the wall, like, she coming. Monday rolls around. You tell me if I don't bond you out, you'll never forgive I me. I said, if you don't bond me out, I'll never forgive you. So when I finally got out, you know, I had to be in there for like 11 days. So when I finally got out, I went and moved in with my brother, told her, I'm done. I ain't never coming back. I will never forgive you. I don't, I'm jobless. I can't even take care of my family now. Well, this is the thing. Don't hit me or you'll go to jail. Real talk. Because I, I love myself. Sorry. Now, before you could do that, and I'd be understand, but mm-mm. 
No, Ike and Tina. I'm sorry. I appreciate you. <laughs> I understand we're yelling. But Eat the cake, Adam. Nope, nope. You're good. You're, and that's wisdom. I'm telling you, guess what? We've never had domestic violence issues after that because right. if you put them in jail and keep them there, it's amazing. They learn. You better believe it. It's phenomenal. And then they kept me in there extra because I had a, an assault on somebody, you know, back in the day, and I never paid that fine. That's why they kept me for so long. So long story short, <laughs> crazy. Yeah. So I move in with my brother. I'm with him for eight weeks. And then finally, um, you know, my son, who preached last week, he's 24. He was three at the time, Isaiah. He called me and said, Daddy, I miss my best friend. And I'm like, I miss you too, son, but it is what it is. You know, I would still go by and visit. And then um, she got on the phone and said, you could come home. And I'm like, I ain't coming home. I don't forgive you. I lost both of my jobs, so I go off on her. And I hung up on her. Guess where I was at in 26 minutes? With his bags packed. Back home. And I told her, I still don't forgive you. I'm only back for, at that time, I said, I'm here for three, three reasons. reasons. I'm here for Isaiah, Mariah, and Stella. Stella's 21 now. She was like mm -hmm. seven months old. Mm -hmm. She was just born at, during that time. Mm -hmm. But I say all that to say that over time, I was able to grow as a man of God and be like, you know what? I got to let that go. Because yep. Paul said in Philippians 3.13 that I'm forgetting those things that are behind me. Yeah, and I'm, I'm pressing, pressing toward the things that are before me. And a lot of times you need to let stuff go, not only for that, not for that person, but do it for you. Because I believe that as Christians, we shouldn't allow certain stuff to live under our skins, especially stuff from our past. Listen, we all have been let down. We all have been disappointed. Yep. But that does not give you the justification to hold on to something that somebody did to you 37 years ago. Right, right. All you're doing is hurting yourself. Amen. Mm -hmm. So now we can come before you and, and talk about these things and laugh. Why? Because we've been healed from it. And I... And I think sometimes in marriages, women think, I know I thought, that if I, was, if I didn't forgive you and I was mean to you, somehow I was hurting you. Because when, when you're dealing with hurt in a marriage, you, usually the wife wants the husband to feel the pain. We want you to feel the pain we're feeling. That's why you want to stab him, but we don't stab him. <laughs> but it's, it's, you, you want to you feel the pain. And right. so the thing of it is, is that, understand this, when you don't forgive, they'll never feel the pain. It, I, it, I had a revelation one day to realize the Lord showed me that my husband will never feel the pain that I felt when he was, when, I'm, I'm being the one cheated. He, I was the adulterer, I, I, he was committing adultery. He'll never feel that pain. He obviously liked it, he kept on doing it. So he'll never feel pain, although he hurt me and he felt bad about it. But, but you, gotta, you gotta learn how to forgive. Listen, um, I, 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 me and Pastor, we, we have a great relationship, but I was really mad at him yesterday. He didn't even know it, bless his heart. But you know, and I was, I was mad. I was mad frying chicken. Now, we, now listen, we all know we, should, we shouldn't be mad and fry chicken, right? That's a bad combination. And so y'all know, right? You don't fry chicken when you're mad. But I was mad. I'm going to fry these party wings. Praise the Lord. So, and I'm mad and I'm mad. I'm, I'm talking to the Lord in my head about what I'm, go you know, what's going on in my mind. And the Lord says, marriage is like frying chicken. And I'm like, okay, Lord, because God always talks to me in such interesting ways. So I'm like, okay, Lord, I don't know what that means. But so then I, I realized, you know, when you get, when you're frying chicken, chicken is only good if the flour is seasoned right. And so you got to have the flour, you got to have the lorries, the onion salt, the, the garlic pepper. Come on, the garlic, you know, the pepper. It has to be done right and in order for it to be good chicken. So there has to be consistency in the foundation of the chicken, which is the flour. 
And then you have to make sure, you know, in the relationship, there has to be consistency in the relationship. You don't want too much salt because it's no good. You don't want too much pepper because it's too hot. So you have to make sure that you're right in the consistency. And then when you have the grease ready, you cannot fry chicken unless the grease is at the right temperature. It has to be hot. So you, but it can't be too hot because then you'll burn your grease and you'll burn the chicken and not cook it all the way through. Come on, somebody. And, and, and if it's not hot enough, then it's just sitting there in the grease and it's nasty. So you got to make sure the temperature is right and that it's hot. And I'm like, okay, Lord, you got to make sure in a marriage that the temperature is hot and just right. And then, listen, when you're frying the chicken, and every woman knows this, when you are frying chicken, you are risking the chance of it popping. Come on, because when you flip it, it pops. And so yesterday, I flipped the chicken, and it popped, and it got on me. And y'all, I'm going to tell you, I said a bad word because it hurt so bad. It was a surprise bad word, though. It was a shock. I was like, oh, shoot. And then I fixed it. Praise the Lord, okay? And so, so while I'm doing this, the Lord says, listen, in marriage, you, you're going to get burned. Marriage is like frying chicken. You could have the temperature right. You could be having the seasoning right. But listen, women of God, you're going to get burned. But that doesn't mean you stop frying the chicken. You just tell the chicken, oh, no, I'm going to keep on frying you in Jesus' name. You know, you can pop me once, but you're not going to pop me again. <laughs> and then you fry chicken again. You don't stop frying the chicken just because you got burned. That is the risk of frying chicken, just like it's the risk of being in a marriage. Marriage is like frying chicken. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's good. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Can and I the tell, chicken was delicious. Can I, can I tell them why you were mad at me? Sure. Since we're being transparent. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Y'all all know my wife had her thyroid removed. Uh, I didn't hear you what? You had your thyroid removed. My thyroid is removed, yes. And she missed church for eight Sundays in a row, stayed home, she streamed, so on and so forth. My mom got her thyroid removed, and I went to my mom's house the next day, and my mom was cooking chicken and making me coffee and bringing me meat trays and cheese trays and, and it's saying, you need anything else, baby? And I'm like, Mom, Kelly's been at home for eight weeks, and you, you, you got your thyroid removed yesterday. So I was making fun of my wife, not out of malice, but girl, you know you milked that. Stayed home for eight weeks. My mama was walking around with meat trays and talking about, baby, you need some chicken. You, need, you want me to make you some coffee, a pot of coffee? And so my wife thought I was saying that out of malice yesterday because we had some family at the house. And I said, honey, I did not say that. I was messing around with you. And the family member that was at the house started kind of rubbing it in too, messing around. And so at the end of the day, See, so, Mariah knows. She's saying now that one. Were you down there? Oh, that's right. You were upstairs. So we called that family member yesterday. This, okay, this is what happened. No, wait, 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 wait. When Pastor and I have debates, because what I did is I went upstairs, and what he'll know is wrong, because I started watching a movie on Netflix before him. So when he got upstairs, that's the worst thing to do, right, as a couple, if you're in it together. But it's like you feel betrayed. Like, are you watching season six? Yes, I am, actually. Watching what? <laughs> season six. Oh, yep. And he oh. goes, are you watching it without me? Yep. So he goes, what's wrong? I said, nothing. What'd I do? Nothing. Why are you acting funny? I didn't say a word. He goes, well, I'm going to get a haircut. Do you hear me? Yep. Bye. So he calls and finally, because I, I was in the right frame of mind because timing and tone, okay? The timing wasn't right for me to talk yet. So he calls me and he goes, hey, what's going on with you? And I told him how I felt, why I felt, 
what I, I told him that. And so pastor's the type, I'm not going to own that. I'm not, because I'm not going to own, I don't think that was right. So what he does is he says, well, let's get, he likes to call council meetings. Yep. Let's get everybody in. Let's call the people who was at the house. And let's see what they all say. I promise you, he'll he'll get a whole bunch of people. And so he he called my mom on three-way. That's right. And we got her mom's opinion, and her mom let her know she was tripping. (laughs) Hallelujah. Because I told my wife, I'm not owning that. Now, there were some other things that she brought to my attention. I own that because I preach and teach here. If you don't own your stuff, it's going to own you. Absolutely. But I told her, I'm not going to own that. I processed it. I thought about it. And I didn't mean it out of malice. I was messing with you. And I explained to my wife while we were downstairs with the family members, her surgery went an hour and a half longer than my mom's surgery. And her thyroid was three times bigger than my mom's thyroid. And I explained all that downstairs. But we were just rubbing it in, messing with her. But then she took offense to it, like she said. But then we called her mom. Her mom was like, Kelly, you tripping, baby. So I won that one. So well, let's move on to the next and point. Even, and you Praise know what? The Lord. No, because no, you brought it up. <laughs> even, after, even during all this, we still had a conversation. We still talked. We, we didn't stop talking to each other. Yeah. And then, but, I did, right. but I did hear it last night. I heard you say that. She said, did you take your medication today? I did. And I said no, and you went. Right? Because when your thyroid is removed, you have to take medication for the rest of your life. And I need her taking that because I don't need her chemical balance, all her her hormones all over the place. I wake up and I'm like, what's what happened? So I will gladly go get the where's the medicine at? (laughs) And you know what I'll do because I love you and I love our church, I will admit to you, I'd actually missed a couple days. Oh. And (laughs) <laughs> look at her own and her stuff y'all and, and this morning I took a double dose like I'm supposed to if you forget Praise him. and it probably most likely was a result of my non synthroid medication look at you. and I'm sorry, for, oh. I'm sorry for making you feel like I did you're welcome oh. you, this is monumental y'all <laughs> this is good but check this out. Go to Luke 15. I'm sorry, Luke 17, 3. Isn't that some good stuff? Is this helping y'all? Yes. Amen. I was wrong. Look at this. Well, kind of. Oh, now she's talking about kind of. Endurance. Endurance. Endur- no, I'm going to hit the unforgiveness a little oh, bit. Oh, forgive. Okay. Go, go to 17 and 3. Look at this. It says, take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Next verse. Then it says, and if he sins against you seven times in a day, and uh, seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent to you, you shall forgive him. Look what the apostle said in verse 5. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. I don't know about y'all, that's deep. Do you realize that in order to forgive, it takes you saying, Lord, I need you to increase my faith. That means if you got molested, That means if somebody disappointed you or let you down 25, 30 years ago, and I didn't say you have to go have coffee with them. Just because somebody repents to you doesn't mean you have to reconcile with them. Did you hear what I said? If somebody, just because somebody repented to you does not mean that you you have to reconcile with them. You don't have to. But if you have to ask God to increase your faith so you can forgive. And not even forgiving them for, 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 for what they, 
that individual, but more forgiving them for you so right. you can continue to function yeah. as an individual, as a Christian. Amen? Right. So at the end of the day, remember that. If you're here today and you're struggling with unforgiveness, now's the day that say, okay, God, I've been struggling with this thing for so long, be it it was a family member or a husband and so on and so forth. It's time for you to say, okay, God, increase my faith so I can get to a place of forgiveness. Because how I many you know life is too short for us to be allowing somebody to live under our skin? The devil is alive. Like, I have a family member, love him dearly, I'll never forget that, and this gentleman is in his 60s, and he said that his uncle promised him that he would buy him a pair of boots when he was like eight or nine, and he never did. And he'll get around my wife and I, and he to this day will tell us the story, and he'll say, I'm still waiting on them boots. I said, baby, please buy him some boots. I'm like, bro, you almost 70. In Jesus' name. And uncle did. Buy the boots. You know, how many you know sometimes it's good to go treat yourself to things? Yeah, go buy your own go boots. Go buy your own self some boots. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm like, are you serious? And we hear this story a lot about these boots 57 years later. Yeah. That's hilarious. But it's My man over there, he weak. He like, yeah. <laughs> but that's what unforgiveness does. You realize Woo. you begin to look hilarious to the people around you. Right. Because we're like, that was a long time ago. You really like, look like you stuck on stupid. Right. You got to let that go in any relationship. I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let's go to the scripture. Uh, last point is endurance. Last. So somebody say increase. Increase. My faith. My faith. So if you're ever struggling with unforgiveness, ask God to increase your faith. You're too big in God to be walking around here with unforgiveness. Amen? Yeah. Let's look at this last thing, endurance. The word endurance means the process of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process without giving up. So that lets us know that in marriage, there's going to be some unpleasant seasons. There's going to be some difficult seasons. But guess what? During those unpleasant and difficult seasons, we don't give up. We don't give up. Quitting should not be on your radar. Mm -mm. Amen. Amen. That's right. Look at your neighbor and say, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Amen. You're going to go through some unpleasant things. You're going to go through some difficult times, but you don't quit. Go to Psalm 34 and uh, 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 19 and we're done. Psalm 34 and I'm um, 19. Look at this. Psalm 34. Many, and it says many, are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. You're going to be, there's, you're, in the marriage, there's going to be some affliction. There's going to be some unpleasant seasons, some difficulties, some challenges that come along with being married. Amen? But the Bible says the Lord delivers us out of them all. You're looking at a prime example, and people have asked us, even between services, they said, why would you share all that? And I said, because through our nakedness, somebody's being clothed. Our testimony will give somebody hope and say, my God in heaven, if Kelly and Reggie made it, my God in heaven, I know we can make it, and we ain't been through half of what they've been through. So at the end of the day, we pulled up to this almost $6 million church every Sunday, shaking our head that God would use us. But I believe God specializes in using messy people. If you believe that, somebody give God a hand praise in this place. Hallelujah. Pastor's going to pray, but can I ask that if you're married with your husband or wife that you hold hands as we pray this prayer because prayer is so important.
and I just feel led by the Spirit of God that, you know, we don't know what issues and problems come through these doors. We know that some are severe, some are minor. Either way, whatever it is in your life, it's still an existing situation. And like I said before, there's a spirit of reconciliation and restoration over this house. So if your spouse isn't here, you could still, you know, connect with God knowing that he's covered as well. So we just want to make sure that we pray for relationships and for marriages that are in the house. Go ahead, baby. Father, in Jesus' name, cover every marriage in this house. Lord, we thank you that you even said in your word, Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I thank you that men will take their rightful role in the home, oh God, that will lead their wives, lead their children, that they will cover and protect them. So we pray for strong marriages throughout this church, oh God, and even those that are considering getting married, those that are engaged, oh God, I thank you that this information will help them get off on the right foot. I speak that over them even today. So, Father, we thank you for healthy and strong marriages. We thank you that as the number one point today was that we will love ourselves. Number two, we will forgive. And, and not only that, we will be intimate and then we will have endurance in our relationship. Give us the ability to go through the difficult and challenging times, the unpleasant times. For you said many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers us out of them all. So again, we pray for healthy, strong marriages. Yes. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's give God a hand praise. Hallelujah.